This is a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. Chris Flannery, Joey Noe, not saying anything, Matt Weiss. Hello, Chris. How's it going, guys? Fantastic. A little different start, yeah? It's different. People like it. Maybe they won't. I don't know. You let me know. Welcome to the show. We got a nice one lined up here today. Weed legalization in Canada. Happy 420, everybody, by the way. I mean, I know it's a day late if you're listening to it, but that's okay. Uh, you can still partake today, whatever you want to do. That's the point of legalization. You can take partake any day. I have a very nice uh, tweet that I'm going to read in a minute. I got uh, had a little intera- interaction with uh, Dr. Jill Stein on the Twitter. Ooh, Dr. Jill. Bill O'Reilly is out at Fox News, and we're going to talk about it. Say it ain't so. Uh, yeah, end of an era, a little sad. Big Sweet Tommy Laren update. North Korea and a Moab update, which we're going to talk about. Plus, the Charging Bull statue versus the Fearless Girl statue. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, Samsonites or you two in the room, but we're going to get into it in a little bit. I think it's going to be a fun conversation. Wall Street, baby. Wall Street. Okay. Weird thing to say. Mike Pompeo versus Julian Assange. Very interesting argument. This is something we keep talking about, WikiLeaks as a dividing line. How you feel about WikiLeaks is kind of how you interpret what is going on in the world, in my opinion. We're going to get into that a little bit later in the show. Also, we got a Trump odds and ends. It's a quick one. And I think we're going to close the show, Joey, as per your request. Mm -hmm. In honor of our fallen friend, we're going to play a classic Bill O'Reilly clip. uh, Probably one of the greatest clips in the history of YouTube. Clippery. Uh, Clippery? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think people are going to enjoy it. So we're going to do that at the end of the show. Let me say this. At the top of the show, last week's episode, MSP 123, I got a couple of... um, like questions complaints about hey what happened to the episode like is the episode out this week and i was like yeah of course what do you mean of course no people happened? were listening to it i got the listens people were commenting I, I don't know there was some kind of rss issue between soundcloud and itunes um, oh by the way it's not called itunes anymore it's called apple podcasts they rebranded already yeah so when you say subscribe on it no subscribe on apple podcasts i think they should have just left it itunes well, that's none of my business. They Who do. do I talk to about that? Steve's dead, right? I can't talk yeah, to him go, about uh, it. Yeah, have go to, have to do a seance. Talk to him. Oh, my God. Can we do a seance? No. Um, so, anyway, what the fuck was I saying? Well, there was some kind of issue with the RSS feed. Taken care of. The episode is up there. Uh, some people got to it because I guess they listened to it on SoundCloud. But it's up on iTunes, and you can go check that out. Uh, thank you to people that subscribed on Apple Podcasts and left a nice comment and a rating and a review. We really appreciate it. Maintaining that perfect five star. Why haven't I heard about this rebranding? Is it like yesterday rebranding? Because you, yeah, or? it happened this way. You don't work in the podcast biz, do you? They, they didn't consult you, Joey. Yeah. Bastards. I got an email from my company being like, hey, stop calling it iTunes. They changed it to Apple Podcast. I think they're going to be doing more. Like, I think they're they're renewing their focus on podcasting is why they're uh, doing that. So we'll see. But anyway. So, so. so is iTunes going to be one of those things no, where you can just. Apple Podcast. Well, no, right? Is it going to be one of those things where you can tell someone's age by if they still call it iTunes? Like, <laughs> oh, that you call maybe. it Frigidaire? How old are you? <laughs> right. Yeah, maybe. Yes. What if it never takes off? And like everyone just 
comes together and continuously just calls it iTunes. I think they're running the risk. I think you're right. I think it's been called iTunes for so long that I mean, it's, it's going to be tough. It's but. just a good brand. Why? Uh, why? Uh, listen, they, I don't know. They want to change. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. Aren't they losing value in changing the brand name? That would be huh. like changing Kleenex. You just don't do it. Well, no, yeah. I guess it's not the same because they still they still have iTunes for music and shit. It's just I think it's I don't know how they're doing so it. So just they didn't ask me. They just I found out. So it's not eliminating iTunes. It's just rebranching off for the podcast. I think okay, that's, that's I, I believe that's what's happening. That's yes. probably that's so, not, not losing value. Just trying to create new value. Yeah, correct. Right. So anyway, Apple Podcast is what it's called now. So if you want to go on there and leave a comment, whatever, we'd appreciate it. Uh, we talked about it last week. I said when the apocalypse hits, I'm gonna go full killer. I'm not gonna screw around at all. No, it's full murderer. Full murderer, or whatever. Just my general attitude is gonna be kill. So people responded with what their apocalypse weapons would be, and I figured I'd share it on the show. You millionaire said that he would have the Iron Man suit, which ooh yeah yeah. Definitely. But I told him I don't know if that counts. What do you mean if it doesn't? It's count? not a weapon. It's a armor. Not really what we're talking about. It's got multiple weapons. I mean, that's yeah, that's, that's like a, that's like oh, if I can wrap myself in a battleship, I'll take that. Exactly right. It's a good call. It's but a great I don't call. think that, I don't think that counts. You'd be unstoppable, Joey. Do you think it counts? It counts, Matt. Uh, I think it's it's also not a real technology, real weapons. So. Well, that's immaterial. Neither is the apocalypse. I hope. Well, Please never happen. <laughs> I think uh, we're closer to the apocalypse than Iron Man. <laughs> Alexis says that she would use an AK-47 or a bazooka. I think okay. the AK-47 is your only option there, Alexis, because the bazooka is unwieldy. You know, it's huge. That's heavy. And AK-47, you can hit your target properly. You can take out a zombie with the AK-47. You, you're True. probably going to miss with the bazooka. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, the bazooka, here's the thing. Bazooka, you set up shop somewhere mm-hmm. and just have the bazooka, you know, station there. And then you can shoot it at whatever, but... But to, but to get too, a little bit too real world, then you can't actually fire it indoors because the shockwave will kind of... You do it in your yard. Yeah, yeah, but how many do you get? Do you get one shell or do I'm you get like seven shells? I'm looking at it as like unlimited. You have a bazooka, you know. You see, I think, I, how I'd are rather, you going to ship all that around? I'd rather have a mortar than a bazooka, I think. All right, well, the, bring it up with Alexis. What do you want me to say? Corey <laughs> Custard, who hates you two, nice. uh, is a big fan of me. He, uh, he, I think he had the winner. He says Halo Energy Sword. Oh god, that's which awesome. I agree. If I can go yeah. around melee people, yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. Did you used to be able to dual wield? Yes. Yes. They should bring that back. You got the SMG, the Needler, and a fucking hail, uh, <laughs> uh, an energy sword. Go around, beat the shit out of people. All right. Anyway, so the you guys, let me know if you you have any other ideas for apocalypse weapons. But I think we covered it. Now, first topic I want to get into. We got a good show lined up here. Uh, last week, and again, this is for, it's 4:20 when we're recording, so. Felt like it was a good time to bring this up. Last week, Canada's Liberal Party put forth two bills aimed at regulating recreational marijuana use by July of 2018. The bills would have you allow you to have four plants for households per households, right? You can have four plants growing in your house, which is Joey's like, is that enough? It's plenty. It's plenty. Yeah, you're good. Uh, and and, and Chris, when Chris answered that, a smile brightened his face. Just, yeah. Oh yeah, it's. It's plenty. <laughs> it's plenty, man. You just keep keep going. Uh, 30 grams for personal use to carry around. So, th- I mean, that's a lot. 28 is an ounce. So you're not going to smoke an ounce. What are you going to smoke, an ounce a day? You can, you can walk around with 30 grams. That's plenty. Plenty. Plus your four plants at home, you're in good shape. Divides legislation between the federal and provincial governments. Ottawa will regulate production, including licensing producers and quality control. The provinces will handle distribution and sales. 18-year-old minimum... Excuse me, age to buy. I got a couple of quotes in the email. It's good, good for Canada, man. They just continue to get better and better. You're from Canada, right? 
I went to school in Canada. I yeah. Just, I'm not from there, but... Nice people. I got dual citizenship shit in case shit. I don't know why you're here. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I was thinking about this yesterday when I was reading this. I was like, Matt should just leave. What are you doing? Yeah. Go to Canada. They got fucking... They're going to have legal weed. Great hockey. People are nice. You get health care. I don't know why you're not there. I just don't smoke that much weed. I'm just not... I'm yeah, a lightweight. You should. Start. <laughs> Bill Blair, who is the liberal MP and former Toronto police chief... Leading the legalization effort says, despite decades of criminal prohibition, why don't you read it, Matt, as a Canadian? A. Yeah. Despite decades of criminal prohibition, Canadi- this is what I imagine everybody looks and sounds like in Canada, Matt. I mean, I do have a good beard and I wear a lot of flannel. You're very Canadian, yeah. I, I I don't say a enough though. I used to criticize my friends for that all the time. A boot. I don't know what you're talking about. Got it. A boot. It's, it's a bo- It's more a boat than a boot. Okay. Canadians, including 21% of our youth and 30% of young adults, contribute to uh, to use cannabis at at among the highest rates in the world, eh? The proposed legislation, which is introduced today, eh, seeks to legalize, eh, strictly regulate, eh, and restrict uh, access to cannabis. Uh, Right. So he's already said, he's like, listen, everybody's fucking already smoking. We might as well make a little tax money on it and just regulate the shit. True. Five billion to seven billion. It's a right. lot of money. Uh, in terms of what they could pull in. Yeah, generally pull yeah. in. And not to mention, it would stop diverging resources to tracking down so-called criminals. Right, which is 2 to $3 billion there. Yeah. Ralph Goodale, <laughs> funny Canadian name, Canada's public safety minister, he says, if your objective is to protect public health and safety and keep cannabis out of the hands of minors and stop the flow of profits to organize crime, then the law as it stands today has been an abject failure. Police forces spend between $2 billion and $3 billion every year trying to deal with cannabis, and yet Canadian teenagers are among the heaviest users in the Western world. We simply have to do better. Existing laws and prohibiting possession of cannabis remain in place, and they need to be respected. This must be an orderly transition. It is not a free-for-all. Okay. All right. The country in the Western world that smokes more weed, and they also happen to be, have a reputation for being happier. Coincidence? Yeah, the, I think the, not. the most polite, happy country, right, just generally... But there is one main issue that we have to talk about, and what? that's the drugged driving. Yeah, I mean, listen, people drive drunk, too. People drive with, they have a couple of drinks, just because they're not legally impaired, it's still fucking them up. You shouldn't, listen, smoke. If you're smoking it, you smoke a joint, wait an hour and a half before you drive. You smoke a blunt, wait a cup, two hours, two and a half hours. If you fucking eat Do something, you, have a you shouldn't be driving that? for like eight hours. You really shouldn't. But I'll tell you what, it's not impossible. It's way easier to drive high than it is drunk. Obviously, you're more you're more likely if you're high when you're driving to be like extra cautious. T- ten and two, yeah, <laughs> obey the law. You might drive a little slower. You're not going to be crazy if you feel like you're going to pass out or something. Pull over. But, so, uh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say the, the issue with uh, with that is the legal issue of you can't test if they're, if you're high. So well, right, it, they, it's, it's still legal. You have to recognize that and you can't test it. So. I mean, alcohol, you can just do a breathalyzer and alcohol shows up. Right. Well, yeah, but they were saying you could do a sal- you saliva could do a test. The saliva test, yeah. You can, find, you can figure it out based on how, I guess they can figure out how, qu- how long it's been since you smoked. And this is how we end up licking the cops. Yeah. So now, like Ottawa is going to regulate the production. Ottawa. This. Ottawa. And as you know, they're not going to be able Calgary? to market. Oh, God, you hurt, that just hurt me deeply. Why? That's how I said. They're not going to be able to market to children. What do you mean they're not going to be able to market to they? What do you mean? 
Well, my question is, how would you market marijuana to children? You shouldn't be. Is well, yeah, you, I know you shouldn't be, but do you have like a camel smoking like an extra, extra well, let's say thick this. cigarette? Well, let's say this. You don't have to. You don't have to market weed to kids because kids are going to see everybody happy and they're going to be like, I, I, I want to smoke happy. some weed, right? Plus, weed in and of itself is sort of just a happy drug to begin with. Like, it's brownies and lollipops and different shit like that. Like, that's what weed is. So, like, naturally, kids are going to. I don't know why you're trying to get me to. Get kids to get high all the time. I don't think you should really <laughs> smoke before. Eighteen is a good number because your brain's number? developing. Yeah, I, I really don't think. Uh, I didn't smoke until I was twenty. This is the first time I smoked. But Joey wants to really market towards these kids. He's trying to start them young. Yeah, I mean, well, listen. It's what's it going to do? It's going to affect their memory. Maybe they'll be fine. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe, uh, it up. maybe motivation. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess because what I'm thinking about doing is starting my own uh, business. Mm-hmm. Calling it Joey's Smokehouse. Okay. Putting it right on the border. Right. Because 400,000 people travel between the border. I don't know if they're going to let you They can all come to my place. Joey's Smokehouse to me just sounds like a great barbecue. He could do both. You could do both. (laughs) And you should. We we came up, this is a long time ago, the Wake and Bake Hotel. Yes. Which you do in California, I was thinking, right? Put a little joint on your pillow in the morning. It's like a very smoke-friendly environment. You do breakfast all day, that type of thing. Uh, It'll be fun. I, th- I think this whole thing's going to revolutionize the world, you know? Legalize it, Canada. They'd be the first industrial country, the first G7 country to legalize it completely. How big is this plant? Is it like a 10-foot plant? Is it like a 3-foot plant? doesn't seem like they have any restrictions on that. I mean, I, would, I don't know if it's going to depend on how they break it down, whether you can grow it. You're not going to really grow it outside, probably, because the weather gets shitty in Canada. But if you grow it in your basement or whatever... You know, somewhere in your... I mean, you don't have to hide it. You could grow it in your house. No. You could have a pretty fucking big tree, I would assume. <laughs> because, because I'm sorry, because all I'm thinking about right now is genetically altering a plant. It'd be kind of like Swamp Thing, and then you just start yeah, smoking course. Swamp Thing all Absolutely, the time. a little shop of horrors. Do, do me a favor. Can you uh, just Google how much like a, a one average marijuana plant yields in terms of pounds or ounces, whatever? We'll look that That can't up. be pounds. Now, so listen to this. So you ready? For, this is my exciting incident from today uh-huh. so jill stein dr jill stein the green party candidate for president who i voted for we've talked about she tweeted she's been tweeting a lot all day she goes happy 420 first of all by the way jill stein uses a lot of emojis and whatnot her username is dr jill stein and then it's just a sunflower emoji after that how old is she again she's probably in her 50s i bet okay. i guess happy 420 there's a little cloud of smoke remember Hashtag marijuana is dangerous because it's illegal. Then a tree, you know. Mm-hmm. Hashtag National Weed Day. So I co- quoted her tweet and I wrote, This is who I voted for. Trump and Hillary want war with Syria. Jill wants you to roll one up and watch nature documentaries. And guess what? She liked it. Yeah, Dr. Jill Stein liked my tweet. <laughs> so nature documentaries, happen. they're good. Absolutely. You watch Frozen Planet, watch a little whatever. I'm just giving you good advice. It's fun. That's the one you're gonna go with, Frozen Planet. Yeah, I, I thought I, I thought you were gonna say Kitty Cats or maybe Kitty Cats, like what a is monkey that a documentary? Well, let me tell you this. Actually, you know what? You're right. Here's another two really good documentary recommendations if you feel like celebrating. Baraka was shot in like ninety something, okay. or Samsara. There's these two documentaries. No words. It's just music and visuals. Oh, cool. Two hours at a time. High definition. They go around the world to like different parts of the world and they just film different cultures and different things. It's unbelievable. Really, 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 truly terrific. You should definitely check it out. You want to know what was huge for a little bit? The, uh, the thing that like, there's 
Discovery Channel used to have the Manicat Mally Rally. Hmm? Manicats. I don't know. Manicats. Oh, oh, Meerkat Manor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Meerkats. Meerkat Manor. Here's why I didn't like it. It was too produced. If they were just showing the meerkats and once in a while have somebody be like, oh, we're going to go get some uh, chicken, you know, and just have the little meerkats run. Fine. But it was too, like when you're, I, I felt like when you were stoned, it was too much to follow. They, they tried to make it too much to follow. It wasn't fun. Okay. Just show me the cats. They're cute. I, I get what they're doing. They pop up with their little heads and they, well, well, and they look around. It's fun. I'd watch that. But that's why I like a frozen planet because you got, now in America, Alec Baldwin does the voiceover. Oh, that's awesome. In England for the BBC. Who is it? David Attenborough, which well, I prefer. That? David Attenborough. He's dead now, rest in peace, but he he he's the one that like does produces all these documentaries and Oh, he, okay. The beautiful humpback whale. And he's Oh, is that guy? Yeah, that's what you want to hear. You don't want to hear, you know, Jack Donaghy. And he was actually the brother of the old guy in uh, uh Jurassic Park. Yes, absolutely. I just found that out. Yeah. What's his name? Richard Attenborough. Richard Attenborough. Yeah. Oh, good god, really? That's yeah. A, yeah. Is that crazy? They look very similar. What's up with this? Uh, what kind of yield are we talking about here? Uh, so, I mean, it very much depends on the lighting. Okay. Uh, but it looks like it, you can expect reasonably with good lighting, five ounces per plant. Oh, so perfect. So, okay. So you have four plants. That's 20, five ounces, you said? I think, I, I, oh, that's I'm, terrific. I'm seeing anywhere from one one 1.25 to five ounces. Yeah, so say is it's that five ounces, ounces a year or is it five I ounces for the whole not, life of the no, thing? No, no, no. That's the thi- See, there's another thing about cannabis that people don't pay attention to, and hemp especially. Hemp is a thing that's non-psychoactive. It doesn't have THC in it, but yet it's still something that's been banned in the United States. Hemp is a great um, uh, insulator. It holds mm-hmm. heat. It rep- you know holds cold. You know, it's, it's you very can make good. Clothing. Yeah, you can make clothing out of it, whatever. Not psych- Non-psychoactive. And you can replenish the crop in like two months. You, you can just keep turning it over. It's a very durable plant. Same thing with this. So if you harvest, so say it's three, say it's three ounces of plant. Uh-huh. That's 12 ounces. You're not going to smoke. I mean, unless you're an absolute psycho, you're not going to smoke 12 ounces in, in two, three months. It takes to, you know, repollinate the plant, you know, plus are they really going to be chat? What are they going to knock? The Mounties are going to show up and fucking <laughs> knock on your door. <laughs> How many plants you got, eh? Recheck time. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to, I don't think they're going to do it. So anyway, but good for you, Canada, and we'll see what happens. And then obviously Canada, the tourism is just going to, through the roof, right? BC is going to do well. Vancouver is in for. Yeah, Big Pop's going on a, a hockey tour, I'm telling you. <laughs> Forget the visitors. Everyone's going to set up shop and live in Canada. It's going to have a lot of migration boom. Yeah, but the, you know what? Canada is smart. They don't just let anybody in. They're like, oh, you have a, like a felony? You can't. No. Mm-hmm. Oh. They're not into it. They're like, oh, you're you're an asshole? Nah, just <laughs> I mean, they're, they're stay in Michigan. I'm pretty, not sure, into you. I'm pretty sure their immigration policy is more, oh, you have a good degree? Come here. Oh, you're going to contribute to society? Come here. Right. Like They they're they have a very progressive immigration policy. Absolutely, yeah. Can, Canada's doing it right. And I, you know, and this is further proof of that. Why am I living here? Why, why, what am That's I, what I'm what saying. Am I doing, what am I doing with my life? I don't know what you're doing. It doesn't make any sense. Um, all right. So... Happy 420, or really 421, but whatever, mm-hmm. the day after, still smoke, uh, and good job, Canada. Now, next thing I want to get to, sweet Bill O'Reilly. I will remember you. 20 years of service. Yeah, end of an era. After 21 years at Fox News, Bill, the curmudgeon O'Reilly, has been released in the wake of numerous sexual assault allegations Got a couple of quotes in the old email here. 21st Century Fox, which is obviously the parent company of Fox News Channel, says, 
After after a thorough and careful review of the Who allegations, that? oh, yeah, that's, that's corporations. Yeah, yeah that's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> after a thorough and careful review of the allegations, the company and Bill O'Reilly have agreed that Bill O'Reilly will not be returning to the Fox News Channel. <laughs> uh, Shouldn't it be an Australian corporation? I can't. I don't know if I can do it. I oh, wow! Yeah, I was really hoping for that. <laughs> After a thorough and careful review, no, I can't do it. Uh, Bill O'Reilly had this to say. He said, over the past 20 years at Fox News, I've been extremely proud to launch and lead one of the most successful news programs in history, which has consistently informed and entertained millions of Americans and significantly contributed to building Fox into the dominant news network in television. It is tremendously disheartening that we part ways due to completely unfounded claims. But this is the unfortunate reality many of us in the public eye must live with today. Okay. Well, listen, I got to say, Bill O'Reilly probably sexually harassed a lot of women. <laughs> I haven't been following the story. I don't really know any of the allegations, but he's paid out somewhere in the vicinity of $13 million in damages. So, My favorite you know. thing that I've heard about this sure. is uh, he referred to an African-American woman. Yeah, it's hot chocolate. It's hot, hot chocolate. chocolate. That, to me... That is... That's, that's pretty cool. It's a compliment, right? Yeah. That's not a big deal. <laughs> she probably didn't like it because he's a creepy idiot, but, you know. I'll be honest with you. I would love a hot, tall glass of hot chocolate. Oh, absolutely. Sure. No question about it. Yeah. A little caramel latte. A little caramel latte. I'll grab it by the... Trump, relax. <laughs> God damn it. Um, but Trump's coming to his side, though, saying that, yeah, you know what? I don't think he did anything. There's an excellent gif going around. I don't know if people have seen it, but... It's Trump and O'Reilly at a baseball game, <laughs> and the crowd's <laughs> doing the wave around yeah. them. And O'Reilly literally, like, kind of rolls his eyes and raises one finger, and then Trump just goes, huh, after it goes past him. <laughs> it's just a very, funny, <laughs> it's a funny gif. I'm sure you can find it. All right. By the way, can I make this point? Yes. Right wingers and like conservative media always want to go back to the way things were. You know, like back when America was great. You know. Yeah, they want to go back to the 1950s when you could like smack a chick on the ass and call her hot chocolate in the workplace. You know what I mean? Like they have that. They've created that culture. The good old days of Joseph McCarthy when everyone was happy. Uh, listen, I would kill both of you to go back and live in the Mad Men era. White men didn't. Don't be great. killing me. No, it's fine. It's bad. It's bad news for everybody else. I'm, I'm Jewish. I wouldn't do so hot. They hired Ginsburg at Sterling Cooper, Draper Price. Yeah, but they, I mean, it's still brought, bring up the fact. Yeah, they brought him on for the Manischewitz campaign. Speaking really of firms, mm -hmm. uh. The lawyer, which is from the Castlewick expansion, Taurus. What? I didn't catch a word of that. The lawyer. <laughs> Joey of sometimes Bill just says crazy things. He's like, no, no, no. he's from the Catch of Santeris, Fergus. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That's what the I lawyer heard. for Bill O'Reilly, uh -huh. Mark E. Kazowicz. Okay. Is of Kazowicz Benson Taurus. That's the name of the firm. So I was trying to, okay. I was trying to segue into the firm, and this is what he had to say. All right. This law firm has uncovered evidence that the smear campaign is being orchestrated by far-left organizations bent on destroying Mr. O'Reilly for political and financial reasons. Name them! That evidence would be put forth shortly, and it's irrefutable. I mean, does that really sound right? Yes, it does. You you think that Bill O'Reilly is a perfect gentleman? It's all the snowflakes are just coming together <laughs> to yeah. go against Bill. All these women are just making stuff up. If, if if now why would they have waited this long? <laughs> you know what I mean. That's the media, it's it's uh, it's the uh, MySpace phenomenon. But why is he paid out all this money if he didn't do it? But he's just like I'm not going to do it. Secret them. children. I mean, you you can't take the fact that a settlement happened as an admission of guilt. I mean, that's the entirety of a settlement. Yeah, but well, at the end of the day, I, you know what? I don't accept that. Then I think the Fuck most I think the most damning go to th trial. The most damning thing is that 
Rupert Murdoch loves this guy. He would not cut, cut him loose unless it was he knew that it was just. I think Murdoch doesn't give a shit anymore, if I'm being honest. He's sort of, <laughs> no, nah, really, he, after Ailes and whatever, he's married to a much younger woman who's very liberal. I've, I've read, like, he doesn't give a fuck Wait, anymore. He, Murdoch he doesn't still has another 30 or 40 years of life left, despite being in his mid 80s. He's, yeah, but like, you know, he, yeah. he's got, he's, he still wants to rule the world and have his, well, he's on the Dick empire. Cheney diet. Yeah, but you know what, though? He doesn't have to rule the world by controlling Fox. Fox is doing great. Fox is making money for him, so it doesn't really matter. They just merged Sky and Fox in the UK. So no, that, they didn't. Yeah, so he So, which did it become, Fox or Sky? Uh, I think it's Nate Sky. But in any event, Murdoch controls a massive media empire. He doesn't need to do it all through Fox. He could do it around the globe, and then Fox will pick up those stories. You know what I mean? Like, he has enough influence around the world that he, at this point, it's like, ah, whatever, just let O'Reilly go. Plus, they're putting on the bow-tied idiot Tucker Carlson in his spot. They're moving the five to, like, nine o'clock or something. It's a... They're going to do better with this. No, I mean, no, Bill, O'Reilly, yeah, they are. Bill O'Reilly was very popular. So if they had any way to keep him around, they gladly would have because he has a he has a strong following. He has a very strong following. He just hit I 4 guess. million viewers at the beginning of the year, which is a record. It's amazing. 4 million people. That's what you get for not... Like, when you're just being entertainment, you're not trying to be newsy. You're just being I mean, entertaining. He, so. he, he was the Keith Oldman of, of, oh. the, of the right. He was He's that strong voice, the... You're, it's fun to listen to him talk. He just—I wouldn't make exactly that equivalent. Yeah, I think, but but sure. They're, they're, I mean, yeah. Keith Oldman didn't leave leave the company because he was out molesting people. He left the company because he was morally morally conflicted. Big difference. Well, I mean, Oberman has left a lot of places because he's difficult to work with. Yeah, see, I'm not saying he's a good person necessarily. No, I'm not saying he's a bad person. He's just difficult to work with. Yes. <laughs> well, also it ha- it also comes to the point where it just is like a- Tommy, we're about to get to. It is a business, and there's only so much you can speak against it. You know what I mean? Because you're supposed to be representing the bland. Like, Oberman, at one point, I was pretty sure was, you know, Uh, was bashing. For sure. And it becomes a certain line when that person's signing your paychecks. You can't be bashing them to the extent he was. Right. I got to be honest. I I did meet Keith Keith Oberman. He was up here for one of the other podcasts. Very nice. Took a picture. He... He's doing his thing at GQ now, uh, where it's like I think he's doing it pretty daily. Like I see his videos magazine going up. GQ. I, I just yeah, watched, I just watched one these the other these the other day that was pretty good. Yeah, I have. I, I was gonna say, I, I admittedly I haven't really watched them, but I do like Keith Olbermann. He can go overboard, but I, I it's fun. I like his style, you know. Yeah. But I haven't been watching it anyway. All right, farewell, Bill O'Reilly. It'll be interesting. Well, you guys think O'Reilly? What is he gonna do? He's gonna ride off into the sunset. He's gonna try to. Get something else. He's going to replace Tommy Laren at the Blaze. He's going to write a book about so. being, uh, being falsely accused. He's g- he's going to be calling. He's going to call it "Killing O'Reilly," uh-huh. and it's going <laughs> to be huge. <laughs> Very good, Joe. Yes. Okay. All right. Done. That's the end of that subject. Sweet Tommy, Glenn Beck, and the Blaze have countersued Sweet Tommy on Monday, accusing her of bad off-camera behavior, inappropriate, unprofessional treatment of the crew complained about lighting, studio temperature, and the way her shows were shot, edited, and directed, as well as turning down sponsors for seemingly no reason, according to Glenn Beck's countersuit. So shit's just heating up over there. And the Facebook page is apparently in question because the Blaze like, we created that goddamn thing. She shouldn't be getting those 4 million people that are following her. What is it with this 4 million number? Man, that well, seems to be the well, magic that, number. Yeah, that's the amount they can get. <laughs> that's the core audience, you know? Joe, once you get 4 million followers, you can be successful. That's not going to happen. I wish I could have 4 million. God, that'd be fun. Then you not even. 500,000. Yeah, but how many of those 4.2 million are actually real people? I bet you there's all fucking bots. 
Fucking nah, Tommy bots. That's what know. that is. And, and Tommy's on eight eight. Tommy bots. That's Tommy bots. Thing, right? And Tommy's on eight eight eight. So what? Tommy what? isn't an eight 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 like you are. I mean, that's true. <laughs> um, she's an eight eight eight. I think me and Tommy. Yeah. I think we play in the same ballpark. I'm, I'm not sure she has the personality. I'm not. Oh, okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. So she's an 887. <laughs> um, all right. So anyway, that was just a quick update on Tommy Laren. Now, the next thing I want to get to here, and this is something I've been thinking a lot about because people are asking me about North Korea. I'm reading a lot about North Korea, the dumb administration, a lot of lip service about North Korea. So we're going to talk about it. Now, on Sunday, North Korea attempted a missile launch, but it failed almost immediately. It blew up. This Like the minute they launched it, it blew up. Remember that experts think that North Korea can hit the United States by maybe by 2026. We have time to do a Stuxnet attack. We have time to diplomatically put pressure on them through China. Dude, we have enough time to actually do Star Wars and have it work. Huh? The Star Wars defense. You remember that? The the thing that Ronald Reagan believed was real, but wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, look into that. For all the people who think Ronald Reagan was such a genius and a great president, he refused to cut funding for a program that didn't exist. But, okay. Well, I mean, look at at Iron Dome. (laughs) Iron Dome is doing interesting things in Israel. Nancy. (laughs) (laughs) The the, the Iron Dome in Israel is actually a working missile defense. Super effective. 100%. Basically 98% effective. Yeah. Um, But let me say this. All right. Before before we get into any other stuff, and I do have a Moab... um, update don't rush this don't worry let's peep the trump administration is putting pressure on saying that we have to do something we got to do something about north korea north korea is a big threat an imminent threat war you know blah blah blah. we're sending our armada there which we're going to get into that in a minute as well wait can i just look at my my sheet here i feel like i maybe skipped something oh no i got it okay uh north korea because i feel like i got caught up in this a little bit too north korea is always fucking up they try to launch missiles, they blow up. They don't have the military they claim to have. It's all this propagandist nonsense, and they do not have the capability to really launch any kind of full-scale attack. They fuck up all the time. They don't have the weaponry. They don't have the manpower. They don't have the scientists to do it. Why all of a sudden, if experts are saying that they can't even come close to attacking the West Coast of the United States until 2026, maybe, that's if we don't fuck with them or something else happens, why all of a sudden are we doing all this saber rattling and trying to, to fuck with North Korea when the reality of the situation is we're we're minimum nine years away from anything happening? You want to know why? Here. You want to know why? Why? Because when you're a country and you have resources, you can buy a missile from another country. They can't. They, they can't. We would notice that. Yeah, selling to them is not yeah, going to happen. Not allowed, you can't do that. And, That's and, not true. And anything that goes through, anything that they get is going to have to go through uh, China and China doesn't want that to happen. Right. So it, to me, it just seems like all of a sudden conveniently the media and whatever has forgotten that North Korea is completely incompetent, that they have never been able to do anything. They, I mean, it's really the truth. So, so, but don't, we'd have to defend Japan. We'd have to defend South Korea, but China's there. They're involved. Nothing's going to happen right now. And I, and I think that would, that, that this is a very, uh, Iraq war, Type of scenario where we're like, it's imminent. No, it's not. They've shown nothing to prove that they can actually launch any kind of attack. I, I wouldn't entirely underestimate them. They do they do have one of the largest militaries in the world. They have a very They have one of the military. largest militaries in the world because they force every person in the country to be a part of the military. Yeah, that's a mean, bunch of people But if you, if you grabbed a thousand random people here and you're like, you're all in the military now, how many of them are going to be able to do anything? Well, I think, I mean, they do train, and I. but the question is, what kind of equipment do they have? Are they using... Right. 
I, are they are they still using Russian tanks from the eighties and yes, all that? <laughs> definitely. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. So that's and part of the issue. A tank can't hurt us. Though. And also, I mentioned the Stuxnet thing. That was what the United States did to the Iranian nuclear program before the deal went through. Fucked that shit up for years. They couldn't. They couldn't. We could do that to North Korea. I'm sure. But, we but could. our CIA tools have all been uh, <laughs> made yeah, public. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I think we still probably have a few. I mean, granted, they're still using <laughs> using computers in the eighties for the programs. I was right. doing. Right. So. So, okay, so that's something I wanted to put out there. Now, I want to say this, because people are concerned about it, I don't think you dismiss it, but I also don't think it's an imminent threat. I really don't. So, and it's not an imminent threat to the United States as a country. Our allies could be in danger, but so we'd you, be involved. If you believe that, why do you think Mr. Obama left the note to Donald Trump that the most pressing issue is North Korea? Is that true? Do we have that note? I've heard that, but I don't think I don't know. I haven't, I, I haven't even heard that. I've I've heard that a few times, but I haven't really seen anything concrete about that. If you could, somebody could Google it while we're talking about it. I don't know. I mean, he might believe that again. Long term, it's an issue and it's something that needs to be dealt with because Kim Jong Un is obviously more unpredictable than his dad and his grandfather and whatever, and that the control of a country full of you know full of people that are really brainwashed and have been living in a situation a horrific situation for decades that's going to be an issue when you have to unwind that but i don't think he meant like he's going to blow us up and i don't think that's if that's what ha- you know I, I don't know do we you found the note you found something about this uh, i mean i found uh, no, nothing about north korea yet okay keep looking for that i want to bring this up so now we talked about it trump bombed syria he bombed Afghanistan, which we're going to get into in a minute. He's threatening war with North Korea. His approvals are up post bombings. Daily Rasmussen poll, all right, which is an everyday poll, so obviously mm-hmm. it changes quite a bit. But on Monday, he was at 50% approval, which is terrible for us. It's good for Trump. And then the Gallup poll had him at 41% approval, which is a plus no. six. He was at 35%, so he's up plus six. That's why a you do shit like ton that. bomb only bought him six points. That's plenty, man. He could drop a couple more of those. Oh, by the way, we're going to talk about that in a second because this has been underreported and it is one of the most troubling things that I can imagine about the fucking the Moab situation, how Trump is running this country. Before we get to that, I want to say this about North Korea. Trump and the gang claimed two weeks ago that the USS Carl Vinson, ascending an armada, was headed to the Korean Peninsula as a prudent show of force. However, on Tuesday... Photos released by the U.S. Navy showed that the USS Carl Vinson moving away from Korea through Indonesia about 3,500 miles away. Apparently now it's headed to North Korea. But, okay, here's a quote. Uh, oh, by the way, Joey, who is Carl Vinson? I asked you to look at it. Yes. I did do that. Let me just click to the correct page. Well, and I'll give you, right, you look for it, Matt. Uh, so it does say that, or the New York Times did say that uh, there was a note uh, about that being the most urgent problem he would face. Nothing spectacular, nothing... Yeah, I mean, I don't I know. Mean, and man, you know what? It's not like Obama's infallible. I, I don't know. To and me, also, Obama, was, that was based on the, a knowledge Obama had then, not right. going forward. And, right, we don't know what the situation is. All right, so Carl Vinson, born November 18th, 1983, okay. died June 1st, 1981, was United States representative from Georgia, Okay, Democrat, served more than 50 years... Very good. All right. Well, he- what was that rule you were telling me about before we started the uh, show? I'll get to that in a second. So he was 
at that point, the youngest member of Congress, 30 years old, he was sworn in 1914. So we're going way back. We're going pre-World War One now. Right. Okay. So from everything that I could amise, stand-up, yeah. thank you, mm-hmm. stand-up guy, happens to be a uh, segregationist. Seg- oh, boy. How do you say that correctly? Segregationist? Yes. Jo- so not a- really a stand-up guy. Joey's yeah. an apologist for segregation? Yeah. Um, Jim Crow, bro. <laughs> 1956, he signed the Southern Manifesto. Oh, so this guy's a douchebag. Yes. So the rule. What a stand-up of- guy. A real yeah. stand-up guy. Why did we name a goddamn battleship after this guy if he was a segregationist? Well, he. Uh, well, let's let let's hit the uh, vision rule. Okay. Which limited the number of questions a junior member of the committee could ask. One question per year of service on the committee. So if you just got to the committee, right, you can't even ask a question. Right, you got to wait a year before you can ask a question. But how long and was this he on? dick? Yeah, twenty years oh. can ask twenty questions. Yeah, he's like the fucking Riddler over there. Meanwhile, the the junior <laughs> members they can't ask shit. Can't ask shit. All right, so that this is the this is who we name our uh... now. But let me say this. Okay, maybe we named the ship after him, which, by the way, doesn't usually happen for people who were still alive. He was 96 years old. Right. And how, he was there at the ceremony. How did he feel about black people at that point? I don't think they asked him that. Oh, I would have been like, hey, before, just quick, before we name this aircraft carrier after you for like eternity, do you, water fountains, thoughts? <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I believe the reason the ship was actually named after him was just because he, made, he introduced a bill that was a, uh, the largest increase in the, in the size of the Navy uh, in history. During World War II, because Japan uh, had all these right. so crazy all, all ships. So all forgiven because of and the Nazis. We can't. Right? So because it was could, because of Japan, not well, the Nazis. Well, you know what? I want to make a movement to rename this goddamn thing. To the I don't U- know. USS oh. greatest ship of all time? Yeah, the USS Perfect Armada. <laughs> <laughs> the USS Perfect Armada. There you go. Um, here's a quote from this guy, Adam Mount, who's a senior fellow at the Center for American Progress. He says, I think the China, because obviously China is going to play, China is going to play a huge factor in what goes on in North Korea going forward. I think the Chinese are of two minds. Uh, there are some who see North Korea as a buffer against U.S. power, but others who see North Korea as a long-term threat to regional stability. There is a transition in China now towards seeing the DPRK as a threat to stability, but there will continue to be frequent backsliding and mixed messages because Chinese activity will reflect the fact that there are points of view, uh, different points of view in Beijing. So basically saying like China's going to be involved in this and there's a kind of a split as to whether North Korea should just be allowed to kind of do their thing as long as they're not attacking China um or whether they actually view them as a real problem so we'll, we'll see but that requires a very delicate diplomatic touch which i don't think this administration has uh meanwhile getting rid of all the people at the state department is probably not going to help as far as that's concerned either but okay uh what do i got here okay no wait what the fuck oh i got video of the white house press baby ready oh nice He's explaining what happened with the USS Carl Vinson, like why two weeks ago they said it was going one direction, but then it was actually going completely the other direction. I love this guy. This guy's a real gift from God. And I, I said it last week. Why is Nancy Pelosi trying to get him to resign? Like, yeah, just let him fuck this up. This is who you want. Why wouldn't you want this guy here? He's, he's the voice the of the administration. He's fucking up. <laughs> he, he gives a bad voice makes it so easy to spin shit. He's a goose. It's so fun. All right. This is uh, press baby Sean Spicer talking about... 
the USS Carl Vincent. The ship Plus, was not going the right I way. love when the journal, like when they ask him questions, they're all just like so happy. They're like, <laughs> "Hey, Sean, hey, John, <laughs> I got I a question." Events <laughs> uh, that led people within this administration to believe the vessel was thousands of miles away from its actual location. Well, I mean, I Paycom put out a release talking about um, the group ultimately ending up in the Korean Peninsula. That's the what it will do. Um, I think we, we were asked very clearly about the, the use of a carrier group in terms of deterrence and foreign presence and what that meant. I think we were – that's what we discussed. I would refer you back to any other issues with that to the Department of Defense. Does the president believe that he might have spoken too quickly on this uh, location of the vessel um, before yeah, it was the actually president arriving? Said we have an armada going towards the peninsula. That's a fact. It happened. It is happening, rather. Yeah. John, John. I just, just want to follow up on that. Um, you know, I like that. It happened. I mean, it's happening because it didn't happen. We said it happened, <laughs> but it's not. It, it's happening now. But okay. Obviously, when the president of the United States says there's military hardware going to a region in the middle of a crisis on the Korean Peninsula, the allies of the United States are encouraged. When that happens to not be the case, they can interpret. Uh, that is a false encouragement. So how is this White House explaining to South Korea and Japan that, in fact, that during the build-up and the actual DPRK missile launch, there was no USS Carl Vinson? No, yeah. A f- she said a false... <coughs> yeah. A false... In- what? What did she say exactly? A, a false- force. A military force. Is she saying? Like, we're sending a show of force there. No, but the what afterwards? I don't know. Let me go back. Hold on. Play it again. Encouragement. So how is this White House explaining no, to South Korea and Japan that if I apologize to the Samsonites uh, when right, it says there's military hardware going to hardware. a region in the middle of a crisis on the Korean Peninsula, the allies of the United States are encouraged. When that oh, happens to not okay, be the it. case, they can interpret uh, that is a false that. encouragement. What? So how no, is this false encouragement. I like that. Oh, false encouragement. That yeah, fact, false encouragement. During the build-up and okay. the actual DPRK missile launch, there was no USS Carl Vinson. Glad we went back no, and listened to it. Respectfully, yeah. respectfully Jessica, I would ask you to, to um, either touch base with PACOM or the Department of Defense. The, the what happened to all the typing? Was that the Carl Vinson group? No, it just got like because they're they're switching between them. They're turning oh, the, the mic mics? down for the press corps, so they're writing oh, down okay. quotes. So when she's talking, you hear like in the background. Headed to the Korean Peninsula. It is headed to the Korean Peninsula. It'll arrive there. What's that? It's headed there now. It wasn't headed there. Sure, no, no, but that's not. But that's not what we ever said. We said that it was heading there, and it was heading. We're sending an armada soon, couple weeks. And there it is heading there. So that that remains. Allies have, I, but that's that's I. If there's an impression, um, then I, that's <laughs> this guy not. has the worst job. <laughs> it's just every day. It's like, well, I, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yes. I mean, we did, we said that, but you know, uh, uh, then there should have been clarification from people who were seeking it. But I mean, Paycom put out a release talking about what its ultimate destination was going to be. Um, and that's where it He's ended not up. Gonna last Caitlin. Well, why did the administration never clarify? Because it definitely the intent in media reports was that it was headed there now. Before he comes in, they were like, "All right, let's try to make him cry about the the Carl Vinson thing. Let's see if we can get him to cry." And now it's going to be. But, but that wasn't. Later. With all due respect, that's not my. We were asked a question. <laughs> I know. No. No. No, that's not true. What I was asked was what what signal did it send that it was going there? And I answered that question correctly at the time, that it signaled foreign presence, um, strength, and a reassurance to our allies. That's a true statement. 
Um, you're asking me why you didn't know better. I, I don't know. That's a question that should have mm -hmm. been followed up with either PACOM or, or the Department of Defense. But the question, the only question that we were asked was what signal it sends. And I think we answered that very correctly at the time. I think it was a little misleading. No one found out about it until a picture was posted on a page. What do you mean? What, what part is misleading? I'm trying to figure that out. We were asked a question about what signal it sent. We answered the uh -huh. question on what signal it sent. Uh, I'm not the one who commented on timing. What's misleading is that people thought it was headed there now, and now it's going to be there weeks later. They thought it was already headed I, I, there. And it but wasn't. again, it was that's doing an the, exercise. I, I understand the there. question, right? But what I'm getting at is, um, it, it it was announced that it was going. It will be there. Um, we were asked simply a question on that. I think all other questions should be asked of the Department of Defense. Okay, poor guy. You should have asked them to define now. Yeah, right. Depends what your definition of now is. Uh, Hypothetically, if we were to send it, it would signify this. Right. He's uh, he's uh, it's so funny. I don't know why once he can't just be like, yeah, we we. Uh, I apologize. We made a mistake. They don't make mistakes. No, they don't. Uh, in other news, now so moving away from the North Korea stuff, which obviously we're going to stay on, you know, stay on top of. According to the Afghan government, 90 ISIS militants were killed in East Afghanistan when the Moab was dropped last week. No U.S. military numbers yet. I here's the thing. Mm -hmm. It's very common for Afghan officials or people in some of these war zones to go, "Yep, no civilian deaths here." Even they if there were some. Well, they're saying 90 ISIS militants, no civilian deaths. Maybe. Right? It's easy for them to go, "Yeah, all ISIS," but it could have who knows? There's no real way to know. And also, it hurts like you know, Afghan military people that are helping the United States to be like, yeah, no civilians here. Cause what, what do they care? You know what I mean? If they're around ISIS and they got killed. Oh, well that's kind of the attitude. We will assume for now that it was just ISIS that was killed until the U S numbers come out. But I got to assume some civilians were killed at some point. People that were two miles away in mm -hmm. Afghanistan from the blast site, their windows shattered. Oh, so somebody got killed, right? Somebody that wasn't ISIS got killed. I have to assume that. Well, well the beauty of a very big bomb, is it vaporizes all the civilians, so you you can't prove anything. No, oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. To that point, it turns. Now this is what I was talking about. This is a very wild. God, Joe. Wait. So, how would you prove civilians died? If you wouldn't really. In be able fact, to. that they did get vaporized. You'd have to get word of you know. Uh, I mean, somebody missing, have to say people. right. People are missing. Whatever. People are but, missing, and then you would have to backtrack where they were and right. all that shit. Um, but who's going to be doing that work in the end? <laughs> Uh, th now this, this is wild. This is not good information. It turns out that general John Nicholson, who's the top U S commander on the ground there gave the sole order to drop the bomb. Trump's approval was not needed. And I have a quote here from Trump. We have given the military total authorization. Frankly, that's why they've been so successful lately. Trump, the president of the United States, this violates all conception of civilian control over the military for Trump to just go, you go for it, do whatever you want without him being involved. That's so out of bounds of how this whole thing was supposed to be set up. And to, to give the military that type of carte blanche and them go, Oh, you know what we should do? We should drop the biggest bomb we have. That's crazy. Wait, wait, wait. And that should be getting way more coverage. So the commander in the chief <laughs> of the entire United States, the commander Army, in chief, yeah, commander in chief, right towed somebody under him to use anything you want well what he said what he says in this quote is yeah the quote we've given the military total authorization frankly that's why we've been so successful lately so basically he said do whatever you want yeah do what you think you should do 
Well, and let's not forget that your complete the problem here is is supposed to be civilian control over the military. There was a waiver given to Mattis because the Secretary of Defense right. was required to be right. civilian. Out for he seven was, years, right. Yeah, he was given a waiver to get in there. Yes. So both positions that are supposed to be the civilian oversight aren't civilian oversight. 100%. We said that when he was being confirmed. Uh-huh. I was like, listen, I like Mattis probably uh, of all the people and, that he appointed. he has been one of the better ones so far. He has... Right. We talked about this then, but I was like, all right, I guess I can allow that to be the case. But they had to do it with Flynn also. Flynn is out now. But, right, this becomes a much different picture when Trump is like, we're just going to let them do it. We're going to let them do what they want. That's why we're winning. Yeah, great. But look what they did. They dropped it, to me, irresponsible 21. I mean, it's just crazy to use that type of weaponry. But meanwhile, it was called a proportional response and like the correct correct immunition. What are you, nuts? But the civilian conscience is supposed to be the counterbalance to the military desire to always use force. Absolutely. Listen, I, I was thinking about it this way. You know, in any like kids cartoon or any show, like a kid show, mm-hmm. anytime they're trying to figure out how to solve a problem, like there's always a kid that's like, you know, the one that like has the sword, the one that has the gun, the one that's good with fire, the one that's good with this. They always think that their thing is the thing that's going to solve the problem. Right. Yeah. So when you tell the military, do what you think is right. What a are they going to do? Bomb. A yeah, big what do you think they're going to do? They're going to think that the military is the only solution. They're not going to go, mm, you know what? I think it's diplo- diplomatic. They're not going to do that. They're not going to punt it back to the, to, uh, the State Department. They're going to go, okay, we, we got all these bombs and shit. Yeah, we got it. I think we can do this. You know, we've had this for 14 years. The demolition years. experts going to want to demolish when, some shit. When all you have the spy, like when you watch uh, the Avengers, yes. does Thor think that the Hulk is the solution? No. He thinks he should hit it with his fucking dumb hammer. But, yes, exactly. Right? Yep. When, all, when all you <laughs> have is a hammer, everything, the whole world is a nail. Absolutely, and that's really what happens. But the Hulk can't pick up the the stupid hammer, though. Well, right, but he, but he, that's because the Hulk yeah. isn't a good enough person. Up, uh, up, uh, Mike. Okay, I'll talk to him in a minute. Hold on, let me just tell him we're recording. Recording now. Okay. Uh, so anyway, so uh-huh. that's a real serious situation. Yes. Oh, uh, he goes. Whoops, sorry. <laughs> No problem, buddy. Um, I don't know why that's not being talked about. Like, I haven't really heard that. I haven't, admittedly, I haven't watched a ton of like news lately. Like, I, TV, I've but. heard that. I just, I guess. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like anybody's freaking out look, about that, which they should be. President Trump has. What else can him, they do? Listen, President Trump has surrounded himself with people that are more than qualified for their positions, and as qualified persons of those positions, they will make the correct decision. No. No, because this is a this is, has nothing to do with that. Nicholson might be completely qualified to be in the position he's in. The problem is the chain of command is commander in chief, then everybody else under him. When Trump is just going to abdicate that responsibility and not be the commander in chief, when he just lets the generals do what they want, the people that d- during the campaign didn't know what they were talking about and disagrees with them, now he's like, go for it. I got to go to Mar-a-Lago. Like that's the issue. That's a serious issue. Um, because I want to know what else they are able to do without the president's authorization Who, fucking drones bro they're gonna bring in the fucking drones no, and stop doing that stop. you're being kooky you I know what i'm I'm trying to have a real conversation i, I want to know what else they do i only discussed the military with a nice piece of succulent chocolate cake i've told you before i'll say it again do not try to steal my thunder with the trump voice <laughs> um well let's close this segment out with mm-hmm. this this is a clip from fox news oh god they come back i think it's fox and friends they come back from commercial showing the Moab bomb landing in Afghanistan with an interesting song that they chose to play over yeah, it, yeah, and then yeah, they yeah. make some comment. Did you see this? I sent it to you. You you fucking did not send this to me. I did too. 
It's the country stores. Oh, that's right. Over you it. did. You're right. So, okay. so tell the Samsonites that I found this. Joey found this. I apologize. All right. I apologize. This is uh, coming back from commercial from on Fox News. And you hear Meanwhile, this is the bomb is happening right now. They're showing you the military This is... So that was when a 21,000 bomb, uh, 21,000 pound bomb explodes in the Afghanistan, Pakistan region, where at least 36 ISIS fighters have lost their life. That's right. Uh, welcome to the final hour of the week on Fox and Friends. And guess who's here? Do you recognize Geraldo him? Rivera. Oh, barely, hey, barely. Geraldo. Geraldo, uh, my video is black and white. Good morning. That is what freedom looks like. That's the red, white, and blue. Well, one of my favorite things in the 16 years I've been here at Fox News is watching bombs drop on bad guys. What the fuck? That's okay. So that's what you're up against. That's, that's what unbelievable. Doing. That's what you're up against. That's what that Geraldo. That video is black and white, but man, it's red, white, and blue. God, that really makes me really excited. I love it. You can just picture the bodies being vaporized. Yeah, I mean humanity. I haven't heard of it. <laughs> we fix it with a bomb. Like I'm not defending. I obviously it's fine. ISIS fight. Just kill them. It's fine. But. Overkill. And also, ridiculous that you're playing a guy to the red, white, and blue while you watch shit explode. That's North Korea shit. That is yeah, very propaganda shit. Yes. No, it, it's so obvious. It's so overtly what it is. It's like normalization of violence, too. It's just Yeah, it's just so crazy uh, to me. It's, it's really nuts. Nuts. All right. The next thing I wanted to get into here. Now, this is an interesting topic and i hope you guys like did a little research about this shit this is the charging bull statue versus the fearless girl statue now a little background on this people that are not from new york or whatever on wall street down on wall street there is a bull like an aggressive charging bull down there to obviously symbolize like a bull market versus Mm -hmm. a bear market wall street wants the bull down there and the charging bull was installed in 1989 was created by an Italian born artist named Arturo Demotica, which is a very cool name. Uh, and in his own words to symbolize freedom, world peace, strength, power, and love. Now to him, obviously capitalism, the idea of a free market represented by the bull. That's, 89 was a different year. Yeah. Well, whatever, but that's what, that's his vision of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Now the fearless girl statue was installed this year was made by financial firm State Street Global Advisors, initially with the plaque, Know the Power of Women in Leadership, She Makes a Difference. And she is capitalized. Why is she capitalized? Well, she, S-H-E, is actually an exchange-traded fund offered by the uh, State Street Global Advisors Group, and it's developed to track companies with greater levels of diversity, gender diversity, in leadership. So... Something that's become a symbol, kind of, of women. Pat, women are badass. Like it's just an. It's really an advertisement for the State Street Global Advisors. It's just a commercial that they put down there. It's really not, in my opinion, representative of, you know, women empowerment and different things like that. Does an artist have the right to limit another artist? Well, we're gonna get it. This is the conversation we're gonna have. So now. That's the context. Demotica came out the other day. He wants the statue taken down, and he's seeking damages from the city. Meanwhile, the fearless girl statue the other day, 
Mayor de Blasio extended its permit through 2018. Now, here's a couple of quotes, and then we're going to get into a copyright law, and then we can have the conversation. Norman Siegel, who's Demotica's attorney, says, The charging bull no longer carries a positive, optimistic message. Rather, it has been transformed into a negative force and a threat. He's saying, based on the fearless girl statue, I would argue based on the recklessness and idiocy and greed that takes place on Wall Street every day, that's sort of... They go hand in hand, but you can't say that. But okay, but that's sort of what's taken away the positive, optimistic... Okay. Clearly, a deliberate choice was made to exploit and to appropriate the charging bull through the replacement of the uh, through the placement of the fearless girl. The work is incomplete without Mr. Demotica's charging bull, and as such, it constitutes a derivative work. The statue of the girl, which, by the way, we can have a whole conversation about that. Derivative work is sort of the mode of the era in a lot of ways to remix to take oh. something and and change its meaning by adding a piece to it memes those are derivative works that is sort yeah. of the era which you can make a case for or against that but that that is something what's the thing that they do when you make reference to something in film they do it homage yeah well thing, this right? is yeah well no not the same thing because an homage is like say you're replicating a shot from a clockwork orange mm-hmm. in you know your Judd Apatow movie and it's just it's supposed to be something like you're paying respect kind of yeah, like a nod a to that thing yeah but that's not a derivative oh okay that, that's different the statue of the girl hands on her hips only becomes fearless because of the much larger aggressive bull principle trumps popularity and there are principles here the fact that people want gender diversity and equality great but you've got to put that in context of certain rights. If we get to the point uh, or forgetting those basic principles, we're out in Never Neverland. Now, Mayor Bill de Blasio says the fearless girl is a symbol of standing up to fear, standing up to power, and doing what's right. Uh, Arthur Piccolo, who's the chairman of the Bowling Green Association, Bowling Green is the area where the bull statue is, he says this is absolutely a commercial. It's a story that went around the world, referring to the fearless girl mm-hmm. statue. <coughs> now, at odds here, because I think De- Demotica has a, a point. It has a valid point. Based on this, not necessarily. We can argue about the rest of it, which you will. But 1999 copyright statute grants visual artists the right to prevent any intentional distortion, mutilation, or modification of that work, which would. Uh, what the hell is that? Oh, which would be prejudicial to the artist's reputation. So. Okay, I think that based on that, I think he's got a case. But as far as him not wanting the other statue to be there, take take the fact that the, it's a fucking cor- you know it's a corporate stunt to yeah. have the girl there, just as a work, I- I'm for it. I'm for them putting the, the the fearless girl there because, like it or not, that is a reality of art. That is something that in my opinion, it's okay to happen and is something that does happen quite a bit nowadays where you take something that once symbolized something by adding another thing to it, you've created a new piece and you've changed the meaning. And it's not like this is, it's not like this is going into facing the Mona Lisa to make a point. This is a public, this is a public statue. It's sitting there for everyone to see and it's part of the world around us. Yeah. And also this is a man, he's trying to say, Oh, this is what my statue stands for. Art is up and up for interpretation. Right. And modern, the modern view of your art is not good. Maybe it, like, for I mean, a percentage, but yeah, right. I mean, the, it represents Wall Street, and Wall Street is not viewed favorably right now. Right. And meanings change. Art changes. It's a living thing, and that's this is just the way it goes. But he, as being being the living artist who created the ball, 
whatever his attentions were, they're being altered by an undisclosed party. Like that little girl, fact of being her, and he's right, or the lawyer's right, whoever said that statement is right. The meaning of the ball changes, and the girl by itself loses all its meaning. So the girl is feeding off of that original artist's right. interpretation, which is wrong. Well, is it wrong? It just changes. It just changes it. Should that? Be, I mean, again, based on the statute, he probably has a case. But as far as just generally having the discussion about it, why is that not okay? Why is that not okay? That feels like the times we're living in, right? We're like Matt just said. The Wall Street has obviously gone awry mm-hmm. in, in recent years, and I think is a a, a big issue. Um, diverse gender diversity, female empowerment, all these types of things. They've made a big comeback in, in terms of, you know, just the culture and just kind of the way things are and the way people are looking at things now. So what's wrong with that? What is wrong with reinterpreting the piece that in my opinion, which is what is happening there. Now I hate the fact that it's a fucking financial group that put the thing down there as a commercial for themselves. That pisses me off. So in that regard, mm-hmm. I hope that gets fucking taken away, but I, you know, I'm a big fan of Banksy. I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, Shepard Ferry. Got people that do these, like, pr- they take propaganda, essentially, and repurpose it. And, and they do all this. Th- and Banksy with his, you know, Dismaland. That's Disneyland. He's, yeah. he's So that is, in some ways, a derivative thing. But it's reinterpreting it and reinterpreting that, that's oh, That is always what art is. Because really, if you really want to get into it, every piece of art is derivative because it it's it's not the thought itself it's a representation of a thought so that in and of itself is derivative to an extent and that's taking it to a it's totally my head. But, but whatever okay so here's the other thing there are some people that think that even human language is uh maybe not morally but it's like that is a bastardization of the universe and of whatever the power is the god because you're putting uh a human interpretation on stuff that is not able to be explained in any way (laughs) that takes it to like a way far extreme, but it's the same thing with art. Art in and of itself is just a representation of a bigger idea, whatever. So, all right. So let's bring it back to earth for a second. Sure. So the, the permit is only until 2018. All right. So should, so should we say, you know what, he can suck it up to 2018, but after 2018, she's gone? Or do we want to have the argument that it is such a profound piece that, that, that she should eternally be there, be placed? No. Well, I mean, I, again, I can't take the, uh, the financial element out of it i think it should just be taken down now <laughs> i'd like to see it come down but but right but assuming say it was just you did it and you put it down there mm-hmm. and got a permit yeah i think it should stay why not why not what's wrong with it here's my question for you. you you can look at the bull without looking at the girl stand in front of the girl yes but you can look at the girl and not think that it's a corporate advertisement i i don't think well, a you're lot wrong, of people but you're wrong i know but they're wrong though where well, the plaque's not there anymore right the, uh, i don't know if the I'm, plaque's still there or not but it doesn't matter it's still a fucking that is who put it there so know that that's the, you know, that's the other difference though. This guy's a, a legitimate artist that, that did something, created it and it was put down there. 
this is a stunt. You know what I mean? The fearless girl thing is a stunt. It's just trying to cap. It's like a, it's the Kendall Jenner Pepsi commercial. That's really what it is. It's like so, these, these millennials love protests. They love gender. They, love they gender. like little girls. They like strong women. You know, th- that's what they're doing. So, so for you, this, the fact that the fact that corporate does entirely taint it for you. There's yes. no, there's no good message that you think comes out of it. There's nothing. No. Okay. No. I also think it's, um, I think it's funny that it becomes a symbol for, you know, women empowerment and whatever, but it's a little girl. It's like a little girl with pigtails or like her hands and her hips and whatever. Like it couldn't just be a woman or like just a little, uh, a businesswoman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or anything. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's sort of, uh, it's, it's infantilizing women anyway, to an extent. Right. Yeah, it's know. just the other way with it. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't really, I don't get that. I think it's more I, like the artistic end of the side of things. I don't necessarily take much of an issue with it. More, it is more, it, it's the corporate, it's the corporatization that I think is the real issue. Yeah. Think. I think you're reading too much into it by thinking, oh, it's a, it's a, it, it's a child, not a full woman. I, well, okay. But also, here's another aspect of it. Why is the only power a woman can have represented as standing up or like being, in, being involved in a, quote, man's world on Wall Street and being involved in like the business world? That's not the only power she could have, right? Her power could be uh, petting the bull calming the bull down right as opposed to i don't want to be part of the world but i can you know like temper it there's different ways that that could have been represented i get what they're doing but i i personally don't like the fact that it's like a financial institution what you know i mean i, th- I think you have to represent the so in some way a, a equal force that can stand up to it not just a force that okay i can hear i can be try to steer it but i can't really be part of it i think that you can't well, in real life the bull would kill that girl <laughs> <laughs> you know so that's <laughs> So it's an interpretive thing, uh, anyway. Oh my god! Like that little girl is not going to. It, yes, the girl might be fearless, but he she's going to get no, killed. No, no, no. The uh, the ultimate question is: Is she wearing something red? And if she's not, then she's fine. I assume she would be. Is that the point? That well, listen, women can try, <laughs> but they are going to get killed. Uh, yes. <laughs> if they really want to stand up to power, they're going to get killed. Uh, so anyway, not the message that we're trying to send, Chris. No. Well, I, you know, you interpret things how you want. Art, well, let that, me ask you this: for interpretation. What, exactly. Right. Like piss Christ is. Are people going to like Giuliani wanted to have piss Christ taken? That's just a crucifix in a jar of urine that an artist put. It was in a. In right, a let's not talk about Google that it. again. Um, Giuliani wanted to take it. That's bla- it's blasphemous. All right. Yeah, but to you, to me, it's just a fucking piece of wood in a glass of urine. You know, a glass of urine. It doesn't matter. That's not Jesus, idiot. That's a it's a symbol. It's like when people get mad when the flag gets burned. It's just a fucking flag. It's not America. They didn't burn down America, dummy. It's freedom of speech. Yeah. Did you see Piss Christ? Yeah, but I mean, how big is it? It's just I mean, I'm just this is a picture I'm looking at. You you can't. Oh well, that's that's a close up of the jar. Yeah. It's a pretty big jar. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big jar of piss. So, yeah, not, so more than one. More than one. Uh, Who was the artist the again? Uh. Andrew Serrano. Yes. Google that. And Andre, Andres. Andres, sorry. Andres. Okay. So Andres. Google. It's just piss Christ. You'll see it. It's pretty obvious. Uh, all right. Anyway, so good discussion on that. We'll keep our eye on it. Fuck the financial institution that put the fearless girl there. Demotica, I mean, I respect him. I feel bad f- to an extent for him, but also I am, you know, I'm of the mindset. I, I like being able to manipulate another image based on another. You know, that's what it is. That's Warhol. That's all that stuff. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's a lot of that. Where the deriv- the more derivative it becomes, the more important it is. You know what I mean? It's 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 all art. It's all, you know, you can't get pissed off that somebody else saw your thing. He's just annoyed. What what about a bear? Why not put a bear there, too? 
Right? Why? How come somebody doesn't get a bear down there? Jesus, now you want this little girl mauled by a bear too? You're, you're talking about how this dead, girl died. Man, she's screwed. She's not going to make it. What What if we give her a gun? You saw The Revenant. Uh, what? What if we give her a gun? Well, the NRA should get involved. This is going to be great. <laughs> you're you're going to go down there in five years. This is going to be like a stack of fucking metal and all these statues and shit. Yeah. Yeah, but why not, right? That's that's what we're dealing with. Yeah. At, least, at least you're getting involved in the conversation. Anyway. But my, what kind of bear is it? Is it a grizzly bear? Is it a polar bear? Well, it's hibernating because that's the whole idea, right? A bear market versus a bull market. The bear is uh, less aggressive. Joe, jo- are, are you saying <laughs> are you saying it's got to be a polar bear? It can't have a black bear on Wall Street? Is that what you're trying to say? Wow, oh, wow. Great point, Matt. Great oh, point. good God. It's a great point. <laughs> You're fucked up, Joey. Yeah. Really. I want it to be like a very cartoony bear that's like on its back feet just kind of... How about Yogi? It's a Yogi and Boo If it's Yogi with a basket. Yeah. And then you have a picnic basket. With a rope around the bowl. Yeah. We can figure this out. Um, okay. So we'll keep our eye on that. We'll see what happens with the uh, with the statue situation. Here's something I want to get into. This is the last thing we're going to talk about before we get to the Trump odds and ends and finish the program with that delightful Bill O'Reilly clip, which is, if you haven't heard it, you're in for quite a treat. And if you have heard it, you're still going to love it. Mike Pompeo, the CIA director, last week, he's a religious extremist, by the way. I want to keep pointing that out, that he's a he's a holy war type of guy. That he is not a career uh, a career serv- uh, intelligence person. He's... Yeah, he's a he's a congr- he's a political appointee. Yeah, he was a congressman, very religious. Okay, he branded WikiLeaks a quote hostile intelligence service last week, and I have his full quote in the email. We're going to read. We got a quote from Julian Assange as well, but this is from Mike Pompeo, who's our current CIA director. He says, "WikiLeaks walks like a hostile intelligence service and talks like a hostile intelligence service." Meanwhile, Trump was praising WikiLeaks up and down for months and months in the campaign because they were helping him win. Well, well. Yeah, the the things that came out helped him win, potentially. Mm. But it doesn't mean WikiLeaks was helping him win. It has encouraged its followers to find jobs at CIA in order to obtain intelligence. And it overwhelmingly focuses on the United States while seeking support from anti-democratic countries and organizations. It is time to call out WikiLeaks for what it really is, a non-state hostile intelligence service often abetted by state actors like Russia. Assange and his ilk make common cause with dictators today. Yes, they try unsuccessfully to cloak themselves and their actions in the language of liberty and privacy. In reality, however, they champion nothing but their own celebrity. Their currency is clickbait. Their moral compass, non-existent. Yeah, Assange is getting rich, just wasting away in the Ecuadorian embassy in London, but yeah. Super rich. Assange responded in a Washington Post editorial days later. And now this is a little bit longer, but I think it's important to hear Assange. Because I always talk about this. Assange is always referenced in the abstract. Oh, Julian Assange did this, WikiLeaks did this. But Assange is very clear when he says things. And you can choose to believe him or not. That's up to you. But most of the time when I hear what Assange has to say, I go, yeah, that makes sense. What yeah. is that? What is that whistling? It's me breathing. I apologize. Can you go? I, th- I thought that was me for a second. I did too. I was like, I, what am I having an asthma me. attack? I, I, <laughs> is my nose clogged? I don't yeah. think so. Are they listening? That was me. Hello? I apologize. Uh, all right. So this is Julian Assange in his Washington Post editorial in response to Mike Pompeo. The truths we publish are inconvenient for those who seek to avoid one of the magnificent hallmarks of American life, public debate. Governments assert that WikiLeaks reporting harms security. Some claim that publishing facts about military and national security malfeasance is a greater problem than, than the malfeasance itself. Yet, as Eisenhower emphasized, only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals so that security and liberty may prosper together. 
All right. Quite simply, our motive is identical to that claimed by the New York Times and the Post to publish newsworthy content. Consistent with the U.S. Constitution, we publish material that we can confirm to be true, irrespective of whether sources came by that truth legally or have the right to release it to the media. Now, that's the sticking point mm-hmm. for people where I think they go, well, that's crazy. So if he's getting it from Russia and they hacked the United States, then that information's bad. No, the information is still the information. You might not like how that information came to be, but it's still accurate as long as it's not a lie. Why it's not bad. It's not inherently bad it's or just good. The truth. It's what it is. It's information. It's real information. And we strive to mitigate legitimate concerns, for example, by using redaction to protect the identities of at-risk intelligence agents, which is true. That's been put out a lot where it's like, WikiLeaks gets us killed. No, they don't. There's been no evidence that that's the case. I skip ahead a little bit. These are the last couple of uh, paragraphs. He goes, vested interests deflect from the facts that WikiLeaks publishes by demonizing its brave staff and me. We are mischaracterized as America-hating servants to hostile foreign powers. But in fact, I harbor an overwhelming admiration for both America and the idea of America. WikiLeaks' sole interest is expressing constitutionally protected truths, which I remain convinced is the cornerstone of the United States' remarkable liberty, success, and greatness. I have given up years of my own liberty for the risks we have taken at WikiLeaks to bring truth to the public. I take some solace in this. Joseph Pulitzer, namesake of Journalism's Award for Excellence, was indicted in 1909 for publishing, publishing allegedly libelous information about President Theodore Roosevelt and the, his financier, J.P. Morgan, in the Panama Canal corruption scandal. It was the truth that set him free. Now, thoughts on this? Because I figure, Matt, me and you are going to have a little bit of a disagreement about this situation, but so you go first. So, I mean, I do agree with what he says there, and I'm not in line to trust Pompeo. I would say, though, that in regards to, in regards to his comments, that, yes, if you're going to be a journalistic organization, everything you say is, can be true, but you have to understand the editorial burden you have as well, that there is an editorial aspect. You, if, you, you can't, if you just publish everything blindly, you're still sending a message, and you can still be, you can still be controlled. Well, define publish blindly. What do you mean? If, you're just, if you just publish whatever you, whatever you receive... Then you're you become the servant to if Russia is just get feeding you information you become their servant, whether it's willing, willingly or not. And there's an editorial burden to. We should look at 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 uh, WikiLeaks in the same light that we look at any journalistic group. Every I mean you can say that everything coming you coming to you from a site like Red State or Share Blue or whatever, they maybe you can say that what they're saying is factually true, but still has a bias. And we should be looking at them. If they want to be a journalistic uh, organization, we should scrutinize them like a journalistic organization and don't let them just become a pawn of the Russian state. Right, but again, here's the thing. They don't just put out whatever they get. They vet that material. They redact names, like he said. They are putting it out. In a country where I think the clamoring is there's too much bias, there's left, right, you know, all this stuff, everybody's on a team. This is something that's not on a team. They're putting out the information. You interpret that information how you see fit. We don't actually want that. We want people to put it into a package for us, which is kind of what, not that you believe that, but kind of what you're saying is that there needs to be that. Otherwise, people are not going to be able to interpret information and they can then be misled based on the information as it stands on its own. Well, and I think you, there's a chance that they, beca- they accidentally became part of a team because they, if you don't, if you're being fed stuff by an anonymous source and that anonymous source, well, it's is part anonymous of the team. to us. He's not yes. an anonymous source to them. 
They don't reveal their sources. We don't know who they're getting the information from. And we and there's a chance they don't necessarily know their sources' motives. If they're getting inundated with yeah, but all that's, this... But, okay, see, but there's always the question. Why does that matter? Because it biases the conversation. The, no, it doesn't. The, the, election, the, the election was changed. The information is accurate. The election was changed by the fact that you got one side information coming out, even if it didn't have anything significant in it. I, it, changed the, it changed the conversation. I don't think that that is what... First of all, here's what changed the election. Number one, Hillary was not a likable candidate. Number one. Number two, Trump was willing to say anything to anyone at any given time. It wasn't called out appropriately by our corporate media that supposedly vets information and whatever. Plus, Comey coming out a week before the election and going, we got these new emails. That's what fucked the election up. Yeah, it's well, not the Russia disclose, you know, the, but, the WikiLeaks disclosures. But going back to the Comey thing, that... The WikiLeaks disclosures are the goddamn... Uh, Panetta, not Panetta, fucking, what's his face? I can't think of it. Podesta? Podesta emails. Um, I, I, Jesus, I'm blanking on the other one, but it was the, uh, oh, DC leaks was, that was the shit that was more damaging. The WikiLeaks stuff was not, I don't think. But but regardless, none of the information was false. But but my, my point is, the same the same thing can be said about the Comey, the Comey comments. Nothing was false. Like Everything there was true, but just saying something, just saying something, even if it's, if it's harmless, or it seems harmless. Has an edit? It ha, it changes the conversation. The the difference here's the difference. When WikiLeaks puts out the information, they put out literally all of the information. They're putting out it's just all dump, it's the, dumping. It's right. Okay, but all right. So, but they're putting out all yeah. the information. The problem with Comey was he didn't bother to say in that letter. Most of it is duplicates. It's probably going to be nothing. That would have changed the context of that letter completely, which ended up being the case. It has, in fact, it has nothing to do with Hillary Clinton. That was the problem. He wrote a letter making it seem like they found new shit when, in fact, they had just found more emails that were already they had already looked through. They were duplicates. That's oh. the difference. That changed the context by him not putting out all the information. WikiLeaks is putting out all the information without context. All the information they have, their sources can still withhold the information if they want to if they want to bias the conversation to one side. So if Russia has both the Democratic emails and the Republican emails, if they want to hurt the Democratic ones, they leak the they leak those to WikiLeaks. They hold on to the stuff that they don't want out. You, that's how you can you actually can shift the conversation by a partial dump. Yeah, but he said though, Assange said, and I take him at his word, that they they had stuff about the Democrats too, but it was already out. It was already being reported. So why would they put it out? It was already out. About the Republicans, you said about the Democrats. No, no, I'm saying they oh right, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, right. I mean, but I'm saying they might not have all the information. They're they're yeah, but they're not required to have all the information. Does the Washington Post have all the information? They do all they, the time. They try before they publish a story, they do have the burden to try to track down it to the best of their ability to track down all the information. Right. And how do well, WikiLeaks is not doing that? They're not I don't think they're, I mean they're not really tracking things down. They're wait they're depending on sources. And I'm I'm just saying we should have the same scrutiny and they want to be taken at, on, on the same level as New York Times and the Washington Post. Well, I didn't really say that he wants to be taken on the same level. He said we have the same mission. Okay. But if we should treat him like a journalistic organization and he has I don't think he's built that same level of trust yet. I think he it's, I think it's too early to judge where he'll be seen in history. As if I, I don't know where he's gonna where it's gonna gonna be at the end of the day. Well, do you think that they are a, a hostile intelligence service? That they are a non-state hostile intelligence service, abetted by state actors like Russia? I can't say. I cannot say definitively. I can. I can say. I'm saying. I can see how he could easily be be manipulated. How it is possible. But can you? I, but can you also see how? the CIA director can manipulate us as well. Yes. And I, I'm seeing, I'm trying to avoid being 
just manipulated. I'm trying right. to scrutinize all the information coming at me. That's the problem, man. It's like the, you know, it's easier for Pompeo to get away with this shit because he's one of our, he's our guy. He's in the United and he, States. He's trusted because he's American. He's a congressman. Yeah. Therefore, he's yeah, an upsetting but citizen. But he's a fucking, he's, a, he's in the CIA. <laughs> yeah. That's been known. The CIA has never done anything wrong. What are you right. suggesting, exactly. Chris? They've never, never done anything shady. Well, right. I mean, you know what I mean? Like the, the, the covert operation and all that shit. It's like, that's where it comes from. And like, this guy's the head of that. So, you know, to just take him at his word or whatever, it, it's a difference of opinion. And also, I do understand why Pompeo wouldn't like WikiLeaks. Sure. But WikiLeaks isn't working for the United States or for Russia. It is its own thing. It is working for humanity generally. Because the information that they put out, people always go, well, they're always attacking the United States. Really? Because if you go on WikiLeaks.org and you go to all leaks, you can go through. And they have uh, stuff about German inquiry exhibits, the H.B. Gary emails, Yemen files, uh, as I'm scrolling through, the Turkey emails. They, They have... Saudi cables, like Trans-Pacific Partnership. Remember that? Yeah, yes. WikiLeaks was putting out that information. So, but, I, I don't. Well, well, that, so, that's the problem. You know what I mean? Don't uh, German NSA inquiry. Yeah, they're looking into all of this stuff. But so part of, the, I mean, one of the reasons that questions have been drawn about them is, as I recall, there's not pretty much any. There's pretty much nothing about Russia on the, from them, right? Is it? Am, um, I, am, I, am I off base there? Well, I guess they don't have a specific leak dedicated. I mean, I'm scrolling through kind of as we look. I guess they don't have a specific leak dedicated to like information coming out of Russia, but Russia, of course, appears in numerous leaks. It's not like they're not putting stuff out. If you look through the Turkey stuff, if you look through, you know, a, but, a lot of the stuff on here. But, but sure. nothing particularly damaging against Russia. Uh, not. To, I mean, I, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I knew everything that yeah. was on there about Russia. But right. But I mean, okay. I mean, again, that's still the conversation. Um. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, no. I'm not trying to say that they're that they are a hostile organization. I'm trying, trying to say we should scrutinize them. Yeah. No. And I, I think I think that's fine. But I. But I think it's also important to listen to what Assange says about those things. You know, like it's it's one thing to say we should scrutinize them, but then to never accept anything that they say. That's also a problem. Because now you're now you're taking it to a level that you wouldn't hold anything to. Well, yes, and it, I mean it's also important to say that every, everything that comes out. Does does seem to be true, so that's that's the, that's the first hurdle of the scrutiny. Right. Secondly, which the New York Times, the Post, all these, the CIA, they can't make that claim that everything they've ever put out has been true. It's not true. Yes. Well, I mean, also journalistic organizations are going with the facts that they have in front of them, and they're a good one is willing to a, a good one is willing to make a retraction. But you know, the retractions what, but, are important. They are important, but a retraction is oftentimes a little too late because once you put the information out there, people hear the first story and that's the end of it. You said a minute ago that like Mist- that WikiLeaks should wait if they don't have equal information or whatever, they should wait to put it up. But then why doesn't the Washington Post or the Times have to appear to that standard in your opinion? I get it. I'm, it but, it's, it's just different types of news. I mean, it, I, is it? Why is it different types of news? Wouldn't wouldn't you rather, in some ways, the reporters like instead of writing an article about what they saw, just actually put out all the information they saw? Well, as you as you said, the, as you said, the uh, the New York Times is trying to contextualize the information. Right. WikiLeaks just putting out raw information. It's that that raw is the in the sense of they're not putting it in context, but they do go through it and vet it. But right, yeah, but yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It just put right. it's just a dump of information, yeah. and the New York Times is trying to process that information and find 
what is actual actually important and what is significant in this information. Right. Well, and you know, but listen though, here's the other aspect of it. The WikiLeaks puts it out publicly. It's on their website. Everything's still there. You can go look at it. And the New York Times and everything, the Washington Post, they can look through it. They are more than welcome to look sift through it and write their contextual pieces about it. And that's the whole point. Well, WikiLeaks is not necessarily easy stuff to shift through you gotta really want to be looking for something or you have to have a, an organization like that but to look through it and put it into context but so i guess the old the ultimate difference is that because it's just a dump of th- a dump of papers that have been collected over time it is things that have already happened there's no it, there's lots of an urgent need to publish now to get the facts out there and that's why there's more of the ability to get to make sure you're 100 correct and why WikiLeaks doesn't need to issue retractions because they do have time to vet that whereas the new york times or the washington post these an actual newspaper, they're doing things more as they happen. So facts might change and they might get faulty information from, I mean, look at uh, Sean Spicer. He tells them, oh, this ship is going to North Korea. Right. Of course, New York Times is going to say that. Right. But what, that but, does- but, but that, there you go. So now here's another part of the argument. What's more damaging? No, thinking for two weeks that the USS Carl Vinson is heading to North Korea and then you find out it's not, they have to take the word of power at a certain point. Whereas WikiLeaks does not have to do that. Well, and this is why I'm saying there is a dif- there is a difference between the organizations and why it's right. why, why, why it's, it's okay for the New York Times to say I'm going to issue this retraction and make that that's allowable when it's when you the, the things have already settled when the dust is cleared and that's where more where WikiLeaks is coming in well after the events so there's less. Ability, the facts aren't changing. Then you know what's happening, and you you have well, more but by definition, though, they're not going to change because they're not. It's not a matter of they have to figure out what the facts are. They literally have the the documents. They have the first person authentic documents. So as long sources. as those are real documents, then they're the facts are have to be by the nature of what the thing is. They the facts have to be correct. They're never going to have to retract anything unless the documents are false, which they're not. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're just going off primary sources. Which so is- you know, so a little bit and. You know the uh, the news organizations in this country are at a disadvantage because they have to rely on the word of people that are in the administration in the government. You can't know like when Pompeo says something, they go, "Well, can you back that up?" Well, I can't talk about it; it's, it's classified. Well, okay, that's where WikiLeaks fills that gap because I don't accept that. I don't accept that you can't tell me how you came to that because I don't believe you because you've never been, it's never been a situation where the United States has always been a hundred percent honest with the public and open about everything. It's nonsense. So that's why I think WikiLeaks is so valuable. They fill in the gaps between what the, 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 the administration or the people in power say versus what gets put out in the, you know, in the news and in, in journalistic outfits. Like they are filling in the gaps there. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That, that's, yeah, I, I agree with you. And the issue becomes when you when the, when they become the main story rather than like it's great to use them to context. It has to be contextualized, right? And it's dangerous when you try to when you assume there has to be something important in every dump. There has to be a story here. Well, but who's assuming that? That's that's the other aspect too. I feel like a lot of which is why I like hearing from Assange himself. He was on the Intercepted podcast, by the way. Jeremy Scale from the Intercept. He mm-hmm. interviewed him. That's where some of those quotes came from. Um, it's important to hear what Assange has to say because the our media, especially our television media, makes Assange the story as opposed to what is put out. Like he said in that, you know, what's worse? The hold on, let me get the exact quote because I don't want to. Uh... Some claim that publishing facts about military and national security malfeasance is a greater problem than the malfeasance itself. Right? That's the argument. You know, do you really think that it's worse? 
for Assange to tell us that our government is doing these things or the fact that our government is actually doing these things. And it seems like the story always becomes, well, this fucking guy fucked up our military. Yeah, but look what they're doing. Do you want them doing this? In those regards, I'm 100% on Assange's side in that quote. I'm 100% on his side. That's the thing, man. Every time I hear him say something, I go, yeah, I agree with that. I rarely go, eh, I agree with most of what I hear the guy said. Whether he is upholding those standards fine you're right you know it kind of guess it has to remain to be seen but generally when he says something i go yeah that's right and it seems like that's what he's doing so and i'm just i'm very curious to see what his how history views julian assange oh yeah and i mean gra- he's a young man still you know yeah and i mean mm-hmm. granted unfortunately we won't re- won't really be able to judge him until 40 50 years down the road yeah, until when... somebody WikiLeaks him yeah <laughs> uh joe you got any thoughts on this i mean we had a pretty good conversation there about it but it had a Great conversation. The only thing I want to say is um, he is a fantastic editor. He knows how to bring a point to the table, how to discuss that point, and how to back it up. Yeah. So in terms of his editorial prowess, holy shit, he has one. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. That, that's what also makes it interesting. He's a fascinating character. You know, he's like a Bond villain. <laughs> Uh, he's a very interesting guy and you know, I, I, uh, by the way, you know, this is just off the top of my head. Where's Eddie Snowden been? I feel like we haven't heard much from him. I mean, he's still in Russia, isn't he? Yeah, but he's usually involved in the conversation on Twitter and he gets involved in the stuff. I mean, maybe, I, maybe I'm just missing it, but I feel like we haven't heard a lot from him lately. Well, sometimes it's best not to rattle the cage too much. Yeah. I mean, that's really true with Trump in office. You're right. Um, all right. Again, just an interesting conversation. Because I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that said that Trump's buddy buddy with a bunch of people. So if they wanted to get in Russia, no, (laughs) yeah, that uh, (laughs) Trump's not friends with anybody in Russia. That they might be able to ship him over, so he might try to be on the DL. Maybe, maybe but he has immunity though. He has immunity for now. Not immunity, whatever. uh, Asylum. Yeah, that could change overnight, but that that could go bye bye quick. Uh, Maybe we'll see. I don't. I don't think he's moving without very solid right protections. Um, All right, Trump odds and ends, and then we'll wrap it up. Yes. The Trump administration is no longer considering separating women and children at the U.S.-Mexico border as a means of deterring their migration, according to a Department of Homeland Security spokeswoman. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. That that only makes sense. So they're not going to do that. Now, I want to say this. 1,125 children and their guardians, mostly women, were apprehended at the U.S.-Mexico border in March. That is a 93% drop since December, okay, they ap- the apprehensions are at a 17-year low. They only apprehended 16,600 people. Trump, baby. Trump effect. You're right. I think it is. Why do we need to build a wall then? If this tone, this shift in tone, and some deportations is what's done this, why are we going to build a wall? Because that number there is 16,600, and the wall is going to make it zero. Yeah. Okay. Good point. Because zero. Can- People can't climb a wall, right? Or dig under it. I mean, I'm I'm curious. I'm not sure if it's because yeah. What is with the drop? Because I feel like it's too easy that that's what it was. What happened? There, What's going on? There, I have I have two theories. But yeah, good. Uh, it could. It, I'm. It's either because they do they do think there is a threat of this wall and there is all this talk and that's scaring them away. <laughs> Or perhaps they're just looking at Trump's America and just saying, fuck, I don't, I don't want to get a fuck. I'm staying the fuck away there. I'm staying in Honduras and Venezuela. Yeah. yeah. Or, or maybe there is a economic downturn where 
such services are going not to be required. So why are you going to go to a country that's not going to be able to find you work? Yeah, I, I mean, I, that's possible too. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I think it is a rhetoric tone. He is deporting, uh, you know, he's just kind of randomly deporting people, people that should be protected for the most part, and he's sending them out. So um, I don't know. Well, we'll see where it goes. But there, certainly there has been a drop. And I guess you do have to kind of give Trump credit for that. But again, then why? Then why is this zero? I know, but the wall becomes a questionable thing. Where you go, okay, you stop ninety three percent of it. No, no, you're gonna stop a hundred percent of it. Well, these are apprehensions. They had sixteen thousand apprehensions. That that even means that twenty thousand more than got a got across without uh, being known. Yeah, well, we don't know. Well, right, I mean, you don't know. But I mean, I'm assuming some got in safe. Uh, plenty got in safely. I'm yeah. assuming. Isn't that funny, right? The the apprehensions are down because people are just getting in so easily. He's yeah. just failing miserably. It's <laughs> happening. Uh, the president is considering privatizing America's airports and dams as part of a possibly $1 trillion plus infrastructure program, which here we go. We'll see. And we'll see how quickly the Democrats get on board with shit like this. See, to me- Yeah, privatize everything. Perfect. Perfect privatizing might not be that bad of an idea it is because howard uh philip howard a lawyer and advocate for government simplification noted experience shows that private operators actually do a better job for customers as well as for efficiency's sake end quotes than the government yeah like the guy on the united flight the point about that whole thing, mm-hmm. that's why you need consumer protections. And that's why you need somebody going, yeah, you can't overbook a plane. Does that? Why does that even make sense? So people can go to the airport and then not be able to fly? They bought a ticket. That's why you need that type of shit. That's why you need government involved in this stuff. If you're just going to go, hey, United, you own a fucking airport now. Have fun with that. See how, see how well you'll be able to, to you know, have your grievances heard. In a situation like that, well, you got to sue them. Well, one argument for, f- for the usage of private industry yeah. would be that the industry would be able to relocate and have access to more funds than a government-run institution would. The question would become then. Yes, I, I mean, but what if? But okay, what if like a super religious organization buys an airport, your airport that you use that mm-hmm. you need to travel in? And they don't like X, Y, and Z, and you can't travel with it, and they ban it. Well, it's a private airport now. What think, are you going to do? I think ultimately you have to have very strong res- – if you're going to do this, it, you have to have very strong restrictions on you can't discriminate. These are things yeah, you but can't- they're not going to do – you know they're not going to do that. that. That's what we've seen repeatedly with corporations and whatever. They, they're they not trying to do what's best for the consumer. They're trying to do the bare minimum for the consumer that still allows them to stay in business and make the most money possible. It's, it's about doing the best for their stockholders, not for not right. the best for the people. Right, and I'd rather not – just say, yeah, the thing that you need, like, yeah, I guess you could drive to California, but you're going to fly there. <laughs> I don't need that to be something that is completely controlled. Because look what's happening with the airlines themselves. You get on a fucking flight, tiny seats, you're cramped, there's like shitty situation. There's no plugs. That's because they can get away with it, because they run that. But they don't run the airport. So the airport's a little bit of a different story. Okay, TSA, all that shit, which, of course, I have issues with. But that's the thing. If you're just going to cede that control to the dams, do you really want the same people that like let things deteriorate? You you want them controlling the dams? Question for you. When there's no real profit motive with a dam, right? What's the profit motive there? 
How are they? They're gonna have to find a way to make money on a dam. What is the how? How are they gonna do that? What are they gonna advertise on? You're gonna get a, the the fucking Nesquik Hoover Dam. People go to the, dam? What you, pe- go to the, who, the, the the dam to take yeah, a look at. It's because it's a, a park it. service. It's a national thing. You go. You just go there. I went there. You didn't pay for shit. You paid for parking. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's it. You just drive up to it. Now it's going to be the type of thing where what? You're going to have to pay $30 to get in and whatever. It goes to uh, whoever, whoever owns the fucking day. I don't want that. I don't want at that. At the end of the... It's at, the same thing about the parks look, and the... Na- you know. At the end of the day, every argument comes down to how is the money being spent? Yeah, but... So the, if it could be a more efficient way by putting somebody else's name on it, maybe... Um, Maybe John Deere can do a better job with the airport or transportation than the government can. That's all I'm saying. The question then becomes is what is the incentive of that private corporation to to accept the responsibility of taking care of that said piece of property? Yeah, better situation. Define better job. They might be able to save money. They're going to fucking find a way to save money, make money, be more efficient. The problem is that's at the expense of the person, the people using it because you're over the barrel. It's not like it's a goddamn Best Buy or a PC Richards. You can choose whichever one you... There's an airport. You have to go to the airport. What are you going to do? So if you don't like the way that airport's being run and they treat the people shitty, but you're over the barrel because you have to go to it. It's a... What are you going to build a different dam? You got to, you have you got to me deal on the with, dam. no, but you know what I mean? Pretty good with I dam. get what you're saying. You're right. It will be more efficient in probably in some ways, but the reason it's going to be more efficient is because they don't have to provide, they don't have any accountability to you then I anymore. Mean, I think, I think the easiest argument for infrastructure is just look at a public road. You have to use the road. The road is required for society. No, you don't. You can wander through the woods. Loser. I mean, society depends. I fly. <laughs> I haven't walked in 13 years. I'm carried around for the most part. What? No, you're not. We see you walking right there. Walking through the walking through the rough, trying to get his golf balls. Fake news. Okay, <laughs> but so we, the public roads are required. Trump thinks a report about him walking is fake news. <laughs> Good. So, if you're going to put a toll booth there to, for a corporation to collect all the money, that money that's basically money to say, oh, you have to fix the roads. It's your responsibility now, but you can collect do with the money at what you see fit. They're going to collect that money and pocket most of it. Absolutely. If, why? It's much more efficient to just put a toll booth there and say. Okay, this money's coming to the government, and it's essentially another form of tax. But at the same time, there's no middleman to pay. You're just going straight to the. You're cutting. It all it does when you try to privatize infrastructure is create a middleman right. who's not incentivized at all to use that for actual improvements. Agreed. They're going to cut corners. For I mean, sure. Like yeah, the government. Government. The first thing they do with the pipelines, all the shit, they cut safety inspections. That's the first thing they do. <laughs> They're like, mm, what can we get away with? Um, because what what ends up being more cost efficient is it allowing a leak or a break once in a while and fixing that in the short term or paying a fine or is keeping up with it and keep making sure that that's not going to happen which one is more expensive it's the second one so that's why they let shit happen sometimes they go well so what so we'll spill some oil we'll build that into the budget not a big deal how can we totally dick over the public that's the problem you know what i mean like i get it yeah private companies whatever can be more efficient of course because they have less to worry about. They have less shit to be responsible for. They're responsible for their own thing. That's why you don't... Something that is a national of national interest, you don't privatize it. Because it's all of us that are going to be affected by it. And then we, we can ad- 
address that by going to our congressperson or our senator or our mm-hmm. government or whatever or our tax dollar. You know, like that's the thing. And, we have control over the government theoretically, at least. And anything where it's in the in, where it would be in the private interest to screw screw over the public to make a profit should not be privatized. Look at schools, prisons, roads, healthcare. Right. Yes, those are, those things should. I mean, military. Well, yeah, I mean the I mil- mean, shit. Yeah, Rome, dude, Rome fell when that, it went to mercenaries. That, every, that's the last thing you would want to do. Dude, I lose my mind every time I see a goddamn Marines commercial. Uh, hey, stop spending my fucking tax money on goddamn ads for the military. I'm more concerned about my. I'm more concerned about my tax money going to Eric Prince. Yeah, well, don't do that. That's a, don't don't hit a doorknob topic here. We'll, well, we'll bla- I'm just saying Blackwater and mercenaries. Yeah, no, I know. We can get into that next week potentially. But anyway, okay. So we'll see what happens. But I guarantee the Democrats get on board with this shit though. Cause they uh, don't care either. No, they they don't like in, they don't like privatization of anything. Well, so like here's my question. Though. So, if we're gonna go on the premise that it's all about the stockholders, so maybe instead of trying to like maybe you change the world by trying to find out who the stockholders are and speaking to them, then uh, speaking to them in what way? What do you mean? To everybody, hold hands and sing kumbaya. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna work. Okay. Um, all right, good conversation. Listen, I'm gonna we're gonna end the show with this Bill O'Reilly clip. Mm-hmm. God rest him. This is a great clip. Uh, Samsonites, we love you. Thank you for listening to the program. You can go on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe, rate, review. Really appreciate it. It helps us out, and I like reading them. It makes me happy. You can also go on SoundCloud.com/slash/MandatorySamson. You can follow us on there. You can also leave a comment on the episode. So like. When I'm saying this right now, if you have something to say about what I'm saying right now, you can leave a comment right now on there. And I'll go, oh, that's what this person's referencing. Perfect. It's fun. I have a little conversations during the week with people. You can also, on all social media platforms, find me at Mansamp, M-A-N-S-A-M-P. Joey is at Joey from Jersey. Jersey is spelled with a Z. I apologize ahead of time for Joey. He retweets too much. He doesn't put out a lot of his own personal tweets. But we're oh, working God. on it. Wow. It's just too much retweets. Uh, and Matt, he doesn't tweet anything. But I tweeted twice this week. Thank you very much. Oh, I didn't I didn't see it. I'll have to go check it out. If you guys want to check it out, it's at Matt D. Weiss. You can see what he has to say. We love you. Thank you very much. We're going to be back next episode. And to play us out, <laughs> we're going to have a clip of Bill O'Reilly getting confused about the phrase, to play us out. We'll talk to you guys next week. That's tomorrow. And that is it for us today. Okay, I don't know what... Whatever it is, it's not right on a teleprompter. I don't know what that is. I've never seen that. No, there is. We are going to do Sting, yeah. Okay, but... Okay. Yeah, I can't read it. There's no, there's no words on it. Okay. Any? Sure. There's no words there to play us out. What does that mean, to play us out? It's, Sting is going to do... It's a video. Sting video. What is for credits? I don't know what that means to play us out. What does that mean? To end the show? Yeah. Yeah. All right, go. Go. In five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is a. Okay. In five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a. I can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. No. We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Right. Fucking thing sucks! In five, four, three.
That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks again for watching. We'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album. Take it away. This has been a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. Subscribe to new and archive episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. And find all of our shows at StandUpLabs.nyc. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. No, we out.